for endless days we will sing his praise. We just sang those words and really that is what we're talking about as we jump into the Psalms over the next few weeks leading up to Good Friday and Easter. Now have you ever tried to read through the Psalms? There's 150 of them so it can feel like a long journey and there's a lot of poetry and some metaphor and some prophecy that can make it a little bit confusing on on what am I really supposed to draw out of there. But did you know that the New Testament quotes the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. In fact, it's said that every major theological doctrine in the Bible can be found in the book of Psalms. And what I love about it is that on top of all of that, it's set to music. So think about what an awesome mnemonic device music is. There are songs you know every word to that you probably wish you didn't, but you just can't get them out of your head once it's put to music, right? I remember as a kid, I I had these tapes called GT and the Halo Express. Just word-for-word scripture set to music. And I'm so high-tech now that I have CDs. But it's amazing to me, like dozens of verses, I forgot that I even knew. But when I hear them, it's like the music comes back to help me remember God's word. This works for all kinds of things. I I was telling my wife about that and she's like, yeah, that's how I learned the states and their capitals. So challenge her in the hallway sometime, see if she can still do the rap for all 50 states and capitals. But I really think that's probably part of why God puts so much truth into the Psalms set to music to help people remember. And why in the New Testament, as they're calling things to mind, it's like that song is kind of rolling through their head. Oh yeah, that's who Messiah was meant to be. That's what Jesus is going to fulfill. In fact, after his death and resurrection, one of the last things that Jesus said to his closest friends was this that these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Luke 24, 44. In fact, the group of Psalms that we're going to look at over the next few weeks will directly connect Moses and the Exodus to Jesus. It's Psalms 113 through 118, and they celebrate the Passover. They would sing them at the Passover. And this collection of Psalms is actually called the Hallel. So you can see the Hebrew word up top here from right to left, and you can see that the two letters that almost look like upside down L's making that ol, ol sound. And it's, it's a verb that essentially means praise. And it's called that because that was the first word of the first Psalm in this section. Now, the the Israelites and the Jewish people had a number of collections throughout the Psalms. Some of them called Psalms of Ascent that they would sing on their way up to Jerusalem every time that they came to Jerusalem for a feast. In fact, these are like Psalms of Ascent because they would sing them on the way to Jerusalem, but these were specifically for the Passover celebration, the celebration of God's deliverance from Egypt. In fact, you can still walk this road today. I had a chance with some of our Horizon friends to be there uh, last year. And this is actually now called Palm Sunday Road because in the Gospels you see as people are coming into the city at Passover on what becomes Palm Sunday, they're singing these very words. And so you can imagine walking down this road with throngs of people lifting their voices in praise as they see the temple in the distance. Ah, the temple. 
Of course, there's a mosque there now, but on the Temple Mount, you can imagine the magnitude, the excitement as you approach the place that reminds you that God has a plan for forgiveness. Singing songs of the Exodus and Passover that remind you that God has a plan for deliverance. And leaning into the final days of Jesus' earthly life and realizing God has a plan for salvation. And so as they approached the city, as they approached the temple, as they shared that meal, people would gather together. And when they gathered and sat for the meal, they would sing these words. Praise the Lord. That's the word halal, praise. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now, there's something kind of fun here because praise, that is the word hallel. That's where that word comes from. That's why this collection is called that. It's the first word of the collection. But not only that, the word praise is really a verb. In fact, here it's hallelujah which makes it a second person imperative. (laughs) It's a command. You, praise the Lord. When it says praise the Lord, it's an invitation. It's a a command. It's a connection that we praise the Lord together. So have you ever heard anybody tell you that the command do not be afraid or fear not appears 365 times in the Bible? I've heard that. I haven't counted it for myself, but every time somebody says that, it seems like it's followed with, One for every day of the year, right? Constant reminder not to be afraid. Well, well, catch this. Hallel, 446 times just in the Old Testament. 446 times. Five of them are right here in Psalm 113. Four of them were just in these first three verses of Psalm 113. So keep your eyes open for the fifth as we keep going. But what that tells me is, more than once a day. I need a reminder to praise the Lord. So zoom in on verses two and three for just a moment. The second part of this stanza says, really when and how we do this, when and where, from this time forth and forevermore. It's a lot like we were just singing, for endless days we will sing his praise. And what I love about this This statement, from this time forth, not starting at some day in the future when things finally kind of work out the way I've been hoping, not at some point days or years from now if if life becomes more peaceful, less chaotic, less stressful, not after I find out if God follows through on the thing I'm praying for or, or whatever it is, from this time forth. It can start right now. And then it lasts forever. I mean, even to make that promise, we'll see this through these Psalms, to be able to make that claim that we can praise forever already carries with it a promise that God brings life forever, eternal life, so that we can praise him. In addition to that, it says from the rising of the sun to its going down. And I've I've heard people take this two ways, that maybe it's about time and maybe it's about location. I think it's both. (laughs) From the rising of the sun to its going down. So whether the sun is up, praise the Lord. Or if it's down, praise the Lord. 
but it also indicates east to west, that the entire planet is covered in his praise. In fact, we're really going to see three key things about praise today. And that's the first one. The, the command, the invitation for you and I is to praise the Lord wherever, east to west, all over the planet, and forever. From this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord wherever and forever. Isn't that a beautiful invitation? That means it's not just at Horizon. It's not just, you know, wherever you're sitting and watching this right now. It's anywhere you go. If God is with you anywhere you go, you can praise him anywhere you go, anytime. I love that. The connection that we have with him. Now, part of what is packed into that then is that we need these songs to sing. You know, like this Hallel, that we carry this with us, that we share this. And you know, a few years ago when I was really kind of first getting connected at Horizon, I was talking to one of our elders to, to try to better understand, you know, how we think about the Bible, how they understand God, make sure we're on the same page, all this kind of stuff. And one of the elders brought up to me this term, Hallel. Now at the time, I'd never heard it. I didn't know it was coming from the Bible, didn't realize it was Psalms 113 to 118 or, or, or any of these pieces. But he was talking me through this concept that it's critical when we sing, like, like when we sing together, the songs you just heard, that we're singing about who God is, what God does, but that we're really singing our adoration to him. You know, that we have these songs that really, in a sense, they unite us. And that was a new line of thinking for me. Like, I love the idea that you try to kind of match up the song with the message and it feels like we're on the same page, but he, he took it kind of out of this realm of just personal preference. Like, there's, there's always preference in music, and some of us like to sing more than others. Some of us like to just listen. But that there's this unity across time and space when we sing these truths together. When we sing what we know about God. When we even sing scripture. So, so think about this. If we join in on the Hallel. When you sing with us on your own, listening to an app or the radio. When you sing a current popular Christian worship song. Something that's got, you know, millions of hits on YouTube and it's on the radio all the time and, and, and we're singing it at Horizon. When you sing that song, you unite your voice. You raise your Hallel with Christ followers all across the world. Not just at Horizon, but other churches in this city. Not just in this city, but in cities all over this country and countries all over the world where we share those songs. But it's more than that. Think about what happens when you sing a classic hymn that may have been read, you know, written hundreds of years ago. You know, that we weave those in when we sing, not just for preference, not just for tradition, but, but think about the unity that comes that when you sing something like, How Great Thou Art, you unite your voice across the planet, but also through the ages. You know, that you are lifting your voice with other forgiven sinners, even some who may have gone on ahead of you. Maybe it's your parents, or a grandmother who introduced you to faith, a friend or a spouse 
who is no longer here, but who is still lifting their voice in praise to the Lord right now and forevermore. And when we sing scripture, when we can pull our songs directly out of God's word, it's global, <laughs> it's through all of history. I mean, guys like Mendelssohn, you know, wrote a song to go with Psalm 114. Bach wrote a psalm to go, a song to go to Psalm 115. And, and Johann Sebastian Bach is my favorite composer. So to think, maybe I've got a different tune now, but I can sing the same things back to God that Johann did, right? Our voices are united this way. But, but it goes even further. When we sing scripture back to God, when we raise a Hallel right out of his word, you are lifting your voice in unity with Moses who led the people out of Egypt. With David who, who wrote many of these Psalms. With with Hannah, with Paul, with Peter, with the disciples, and with Jesus himself. Because he too would have sung these very words throughout his life when he celebrated the Passover and in that week leading up to his death and his resurrection. So if you zoom back in, on that first stanza, these, couple, these first couple verses again, that's why it's an invitation. That's why it's second person. That's why you say to me and I say to you, praise the Lord. But, but you notice something else here? Twice, it already says, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now that's significant because there is a personal relationship with the one we praise. It's not just try to appease some random God who is out there somewhere. It's praise the Lord and you can do that by name. That we're on a first name basis with the creator of the universe. Now the way that this shows up, when you see Lord in all capitals like that, that's his personal name. It's Yahweh. Now sometimes you find that in the short form, Yah. In fact, there are a lot of words and names that we pick up on that actually have this built into them. Jeremiah has the Lord's name built into his name. Isaiah. Often in Hebrew, when you hear that Yah, it's like the short form of God's personal name. And so what we are being invited to do, the, the invitation to you is to praise this personal God because he cares about you personally. That when we sing our Hallel, you Hallelujah. It's not Hallelujah money. It's not Hallelujah my career. It's not Hallelujah anything else that I could count on, anything else that I could put first. It is a specific command to a personal God who knows you loves you, sees every moment of your life, and his name is Yahweh. We, hallelujah, Yah. Now, Hebrews read from right to left. The English here is a little bit backwards, but you hear what I'm saying, don't you? Because you know a Hebrew word. It is hallelujah. That is where this comes from. In fact, that first verse, 
That line, praise the Lord, is exactly this in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Don't hallelujah anyone else. And I laugh when I hear this word because it comes through in so many popular songs or people that just shout hallelujah. And what they mean is something good happened, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of like Princess Bride when he says, uh, you keep using that word. I, I, do not think you, <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. Because this is not just, hey, something cool happened today. Hey, good for me. I, I, had, I had fun. I got blessed. I, whatever. It's specifically directed to the Lord himself. Hallelujah. Now if we hallelujah, if we praise him directly, what do we praise him for? Well, that is what the Psalms is loaded with. And notice that in this first Psalm of the Hallel, look at verses four through six, what it describes as making him praiseworthy. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? Now this is an incredible statement that when you hallelujah, you know why. That when you hallelujah, there is an individual, a personal connection with him. In fact, that's why it says, who is like the Lord our God? The implication there is that there is no one else like him. For example, in every other world religion, every other major world religion, what you find is that we are given instructions how to try to reach God, how to try to achieve God, how to try to appease God. In Christianity alone, you find who is like the Lord our God? No one, because he dwells on high, but he humbles himself. He is so high above the heavens, he actually has to look down (laughs) to behold the heavens. And yet, that's exactly what he does, to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. You realize right now, at this moment, sitting in your chair is one of the things in the earth that he loves to behold. That although at times it can feel like God is distant, that he doesn't see us, that he doesn't know what's going on. Psalm 113 reminds us we serve a personal God who is like no one else, who has all the power of the universe and dwells on high and yet humbles himself to behold us, the things going on in my life and in yours. Because he cares about you and he cares about me. And you begin to see the fulfillment that is going to come through this of Jesus Christ. That the New Testament describes how he humbled himself. That God came to earth in human flesh. Had to be hot, had to be cold, had to be hungry, had to be thirsty, had to be hurt. And he was obedient when he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Hallelujah. You know that word, the Rosetta Project actually says that every one to three months, a human language dies. 
like forget all the ones that have already died, they say that half of the languages currently spoken today will be dead languages no longer spoken by the end of this century. And yet in a word like hallelujah, you have unchanged across time and space for millennia a declaration that this is the God we praise, that this is the Lord we know and that we want to get to know better. So we praise him wherever and forever. But the next part of the invitation is praise the Lord who humbles himself. That this is the first thing listed in the Hillel that makes him praiseworthy. That he is so high and yet he humbles himself to look into our lives. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the Last Supper would have been like. To get to know God by sitting at that table with Jesus and his disciples as they sang Psalm 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118, getting to dig deeper in the presence of Jesus himself to get to know him through the very words that were written about him. To sit at that table with other friends people you know and get to know Jesus through his word. Well, I'm setting you up a little bit, but you don't have to imagine it. (laughs) Jesus himself said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. When you and a friend, you and your spouse, you and a study group sit down and look at God's word together, You are digging in to God's word to get to know him better with him. That you sit with Jesus when you sit in this word to get to know him better. How he loves you, how he encourages you, how he admonishes you, how he strengthens you, how he gives you hope, how he gives you peace. And we can do that together just like they did at the Last Supper. That's why we gather. That's why we want to spend time in his word together. And and that is why all over his kingdom, people do that together in the word. Not just random thoughts of encouragement, but things taken directly from God's mouth to us. And that is why you've heard us talk about this the last couple of weeks, but today we are launching the pathway. It's a, a essentially a customized tool to help us right here dig into God's word together. And so if you haven't heard us talk about that, there's essentially two pieces to that. And they're both built off of the weekend message and the passage that we're in as a community. And so there's a discussion guide that you can find on the website, on the app, or if you come live, you can get a hard copy of it. And then every Sunday afternoon after the message, there will also release kind of like a a bonus video, something that you could use as a midweek refresher something you could use to kickstart discussion with a couple of friends over coffee or a study group. But the idea is that it's, it's highly customized. There are a few questions on there. If you don't get to all of them, that's okay. But to encourage us to get into God's word together, to get to know him better, to praise him, and not to do that on our own, not to be isolated, but to feel that connection as we get to know God through his word with other people. Because when we do that, 
what you find is not only does he lower himself, not only does he humble himself to behold your life, to step into your moment, but he also lifts you up. In fact, that's the third truth that we want to praise him for. Praise the Lord who lifts you up. Look at how it says it in the last stanza of this psalm. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. You see, this is God looking into the individual moments of your life. This is God not just sitting on high and saying, bring me the praise. It's God leaning down and say, where do you have a need? Where are you hurting? Where are you sad? Where do you mourn? And how can I lift you up? That he raises the poor out of the dust, lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he can seat him with princes. You know, you will see this all over the scripture that God cares deeply for the poor. He cares deeply for the person who is in need. He cares deeply, like the, the barren woman, he cares deeply for the person who finds themselves in sorrow. And he raises them up. And he calls his people to raise them up. And said, in fact, many times in the Old Testament, when God's people get in trouble, one of the first things listed is, you haven't done this. <laughs> that if we praise him for this, it's not just with our voices, but it's with our actions when we do what he does because he did it for us. You see, he raised me up when I was spiritually poor. He raises me up out of the dust, out of the dirt of guilt and shame and sin. He doesn't kick the dust on me. He doesn't mock me when I'm down. He raises me up out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap, out of the fire like, a, like a, a twig that was going to burn up, but he plucks us out. This is who he is and it's what he does. It's why we sing our Hallel to Yah. It's why we praise him. And I, I wanna show you something really cool about this because we've been talking about singing scripture back to God. And, and we'll have the chance over the next few weeks, some of these Psalms, we're going to share songs together that are directly out of these psalms. That we will actually get to sing a scripture back to God. But what's, what's really wild to me is already in Psalm 113, scripture is singing scripture back to God. So catch this. Raises the poor out of the dust, lifts the needy out of the ash heap to seat him with princes and grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. I think verse 9 in one sense, is talking about Hannah, Samuel's mother. If you can remember back to our study from Samuel, if you can't, you can, you can find it online in the verse by verse section. But Hannah was a barren woman and God blessed her with a child, Samuel, and she sang a song and this is what she said. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes. That's not close. That's the same thing. Scripture is singing scripture back to God. 
God does not want us to forget this truth. In fact, in Hannah's song, what we discover is that her song is really like a prophecy about the Messiah who would come. She sings of one who is a perfect priest and a perfect king who has a plan to save his people. Yeah, even from their mistakes and mess ups and disappointments and guilt and shame. A perfect priest, a perfect king, who raises the poor from the dust, lifts the beggar from the ash heap, and seats them among princes. So you fast forward from Hannah to the Psalms where we are singing this truth to make sure nobody forgets that because Messiah is coming. And when Jesus comes, if you can remember back to our study in Luke, I know we're we're starting to reach back there. You can find that online too. But in Luke chapter 14, Jesus literally fulfills this part of the song. I mean, multiple times in his life, you could point to a moment that he is lifting up the poor and needy. But he actually finds himself at a party of an affluent leader in the community and a needy person walks in. They seem to be financially poor, but also physically ailed. And Jesus literally gives him a seat at the party of the affluent, lifts him up, raises him up, and then gives us this instruction. From the lips of Jesus, he says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You see, not only in Jesus' words, but in his actions, how he lifts people up. And really the same is true for us. That we, Hallel, Hallelujah, if that's your invitation to you, you, praise the Lord, who humbled himself for you, it's not just with our voices, it's with our actions. Jesus fulfills this psalm, but he also instructs us to follow, to do like he does. That this is the character of God, this is the mind of Christ that he wants to be in us. So think about what what does it maybe look like for me, for you, for us, to raise the poor out of the dust, Lift the needy out of the ash heap. In fact, that's one of the questions you might wrestle with in the pathway this week. If you pick up that discussion guide, like what does that really mean? Because in a very real sense, you see Jesus in his ministry seemed to imply and even teach that if he invites them to the feast and gives them food and that's it, hey, food is good. The need is real. And God wants us to meet real physical needs. But it's more than that. You see, lifting them up is more than just a donation or some food or whatever it is. It's an invitation. An invitation to join in the Hallel. To be united across time and space, across social strata and income levels in the way that we praise the Lord. You know, there are a couple of ways that we do that at Horizon. And and what I just described to you is why I love what happens at City Gospel. 
You see, City Gospel Mission was started by somebody who was a Christ follower. James Gamble of Procter & Gamble, decades ago, started City Gospel Mission because he wanted to meet the real physical need. He wanted to do more than that. He wanted to meet the spiritual need too. And so even today, when we go as a Horizon team to volunteer and serve meals, they will tell you, the, the people who work there at City Gospel, that the meal is great and we need it, but the best part about it is who you get to know while you're there. Who do you sit and talk to? You know, who is coming in off of the street to get a meal that really needs even more than a meal? You know, my friend Wayne um, kind of helped me understand this because he had been volunteering at City Gospel Mission and, and loved doing the meals, but felt like he needed a chance to get deeper if he was really going to build relationship and share discipleship with people. And so he got involved in their mentorship program. And it's just incredible. Um, if you bump into me in the hallway, ask me to introduce you to Wayne and I'll, I'll let him give you more details. But he, he can tell you the journey of his life as he found himself building his business, building his career, and asking himself, how much more money can I make? And the time in his life when that shifted to, how much more money can I give away? And as he grew in giving away more time and more money, he found that the greatest benefit of that was in the actual people that are being lifted up. The relationships that we're building together to invite people into this kind of kingdom, this kind of praise in the name of the Lord. In fact, that name Yahweh, Yah, is built into the name Jesus as well. His name in the Hebrew would be Yeshua or Yahshua. Comes through to the English as, as Joshua. Came through to the Greek as Jesus, which is why it also came through to the English as Jesus. But the name of the Lord is built into his name because his name means the Lord saves. See, that is what we're inviting people to when we serve the poor, when we serve the needy. When you serve someone who may be in need on your own street and maybe it doesn't look financial, but there's something spiritual there too. And I know because of COVID, like right now, we can't actually take volunteers down to serve at City Gospel. They're being extremely careful with the health of the people who come in there as well. But there are still practical ways that we can share a meal. And one of them I just wanted to mention to you because Jesus is so specific about inviting people in need to our feast is that one way we can do that is these blue bags that you see hanging just inside when you walk in the front door at Horizon. There's a stand with blue bags and essentially what you do is you fill this with food and it goes to Inner Parish Ministries right here in Newtown to help feed, to help share our feast with families in need in the name of Jesus. There are details tucked right into the bag. You can find this online too. Um, but I know I've been thinking about that. If I, if I want to live this out, if I want to say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I praise you as Lord. I want to lift up those in need. What does it look like and how do I do it? That's one simple way to get started. And I think that's our key takeaway today. That when we read this psalm, when we hear the heart of God who lowers himself to lift us up, that we want to bring our Hillel that we praise Jesus and lift up those in need.